Hello and welcome to The Publicist Speaks. I'm your host, Jessica Shushka, and today I'm here with Steffi Nelson, the editor behind the incredible collection Slouching Towards Los Angeles, Living and Writing by Joan Didion's Light. Welcome, Steffi. Thank you, Jessica. It's great to be here. I am excited to have you. We've done a couple of podcasts with you and some of your contributors talking about the writing experience for them and uh, some history between you and your contributors and uh, what Joan meant to them. And those have been wonderful. Um, I am, Yeah, those are great conversations. It, they're amazing. And I'm so excited to do more of them. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> I am curious, where did the idea of a collection around and surrounding Joan and her work come from? The origin of the idea came through an art project that my dear friend Zoe Crocher, an artist, was doing with the nonprofit arts organization Land, Los Angeles Nomadic Division, um, which looks at Los Angeles in different ways in these these sorts of, you know, going to different locations and the places that Los Angeles, the identity of the city was formed. And um, Zoe and Land collaborated on this Manifest Destiny billboard project, which was, I think it, it was a several months that rolled out with billboard art interventions across the 10 freeway with this idea of moving west and what did that mean to people and I just had conversations with Zoe about the project and I knew that they were culminating in Santa Monica and I thought to myself I bet writers would have a lot of things to say about Joan Didion because her work is so emblematic of this idea of going west. And, you know, it's a part of her history. Her family traveled with the Donner Party and then split off from them and made it where other members of the Donner Party did not. So this pioneer spirit has informed her history and informed her writing. And she's and she, her writing informed my own journey west. Mm -hmm. So I just was kind of toss, tossing out this idea and she loved the idea. And then I brought it up with Land and they loved the idea. And it started as a live event. I just, I had 15 writers respond to their favorite works by Joan Didion that mm -hmm. spoke about ideas of the west and moving west, you know, a lot of, I'm a writer who moved west from New York and many of my uh, peers and colleagues in journalism in LA, you know, had sort of a similar history. Right. And people loved the idea because she really is this um, revered figure in the world of journalism and particularly, um, for for women because she did something that was different think, yeah felt felt unusual um for a female journalist at that time especially in the early 60s you know she was the only woman in the 
new journalism um, movement, which is very self-driven. So I guess maybe that's that could be a key to what has made her appeal so strong that she really she was not hiding behind anything she mm-hmm. was right there in the story stating her opinions mm-hmm. you know there's there's a lot of i in her yes. story lots of stories lots of experience firsthand yes yeah uh, and you know men male, those male journalists especially those male journalists you know they're very <laughs> they have a, a lot of um attitude and they're loud and boisterous and um, so for her to hold her own among them was definitely rare. And I think that it it was instrumental in growing journalism as a whole and having that become something that can be aspired to by anybody. And she, in my experience, from my perspective, helped kind of pave that that road that what do you mean that journalism can well I think she gave it um she gave it a personality and she also she made it more experimental you know exactly it it really crossed um there was a cross-pollination with literature obviously Mm -hmm. of course yeah um but at the time that was not you know, she she did she never said that she was doing that. She was writing for mainstream mm-hmm. American publications, yep. and and yet she was sort of subversively instilling these philosophical ideas <laughs> and just a different a different type of writing yeah. into you know, the Saturday Evening Post. You know, <laughs> yeah. So that actually, so you had mentioned something about this starting as a live event where you had 15 writers and authors um, come together to talk about the pieces of Joan Didion's work that inspired them. How did you end up with what's 25 other contributors to this essay or to this collection? Well, 25 total total in this collection and... Basically, you know, that event was in 2015 mm-hmm. and land, the organization has a history of, of making publications to accompany their different projects. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I had talked about with them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we, we expected to, to make a book of these essays Oh, cool. And then it just didn't come together. And, you know, it was something that I always had in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. because these essays were really beautiful. You know, there's there's a good handful of them that are. Anne Friedman, Jory Finkel, Margaret Wappler, Jessica Hundley, Catherine Wagley, mm-hmm. um, Linda Mediato, Caroline Ryder, Scott Benzel, Steph Ezra Chaw. Jean Black. 
Right. I'm naming some of the writers who were part of the original. Oh, Slouching Towards Los Angeles Project. Oh, that's even cooler. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. So, yeah, so they had all written. I mean, they, you know, we revised them. Of course. Um, for publication, but as as a writer and as an editor, I could not <laughs> let those essays just disappear. Of course I, not. I knew they had to be published someday and it just it just took the right publisher believing in the project (laughs) yeah and that was rare bird and then and then it was very quick that I had to um get together some more writers so Mm -hmm. that we had enough for you know a full proper book Mm -hmm. and again I really found that people the response was almost always instantaneous like either they said I can't you know a few of them of course said I can't I can't fit it in I wish I could but often you know it was just yes it was a full 100% yes and several of the people told me I have been waiting 20 years to write this essay or 10 years. Yeah. Because, you know, Didion is just this figure. Um, She represents so many things Mm -hmm. to, to writers, to, to journalists who, you know, came, came of age at a, at a certain time when, there was still, I mean, we're not all of the same generation, but many of us started in journalism kind of at the dawn of the internet age mm-hmm. or even some, even a little bit before that. Yeah. So, you know, so we grew up in the reading these important print magazines, you know, like Rolling Stone was a... Mm-hmm was a big deal when I was growing up. And so Joan just represented the the apex of this type of journalism that many of us aspired to. Mm-hmm. And and there just weren't that many people doing it, particularly when when things started to you know change with mm-hmm. the dawn of the cyber era yeah which changed everything it it was it's very interesting um one of the th- hot topics on social media right now is the the generation of kids who have had phones in their hands since they were born mm. and it's my I have younger siblings who just started college and mm-hmm. the two of them are uh, 19 years old and telling me about how they remember when they didn't have phones. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you always had you always had phones, whether it was what? Oh, God, it was a jitterbug or whatever with this like toy thing, toy phone type thing. But mm. it could call parents and me. 
when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and they're just like, that wasn't a phone. And it's been, <laughs> it's been hilarious to make fun of them about it. Um, wow. But yeah, it, it's really interesting to see the uh, transition between pen on paper to fingers on a keyboard mm-hmm. and how that's kind of changed the way that journalism is received because now we have everything at our fingertips literally mm-hmm. so we can be on the front lines with big figures like Joan and have access to her entire archive which is yes. just different than she had ever experienced yeah no it's interesting because I was thinking about my own discovery of Joan Didion and Mm -hmm. how it came because I was visiting my mother Mm -hmm. and I saw a book on a bookshelf slouching towards Bethlehem. (laughs) And I didn't, I didn't know what it was, but as I say in my essay Mm -hmm. in slouching towards Los Angeles, um, I had studied Yates in college (laughs) and so I recognized the phrase slouching towards Bethlehem I had never heard of Joan Didion and so I really I connected with her there was not even a photograph of her Mm -hmm. on the cover of this book Mm -hmm. it was just the language and I was totally wowed and drawn in and amazed because it was right in keeping you know I I had always had a thing for California. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was discovering this, this treasure trove of truths about, about California and yeah. even about leaving New York for California. Um, but what really struck me when I was thinking about that discovery is that today there's, there's kind of no way you could be like a young female writer and, not know who Joan Didion is and And not have seen all her photos and hashtag Joan Didion on (laughs) Instagram. And it's just kind of amazing to me that I just, I came to her on the page with no imagery and no preconceived ideas attached to it. And that is, I mean, sure. If you, if you're not on the internet or, you know, there's, of course, there's some way that you could still discover Joan Didion by coming upon a book of hers on a bookshelf, but yeah. it's very unlikely that you would be interested in that sort of thing and not not have not come across, it. yeah, not have seen her on on Instagram or yeah, you know, a friend's post or, or whatever, yeah, because yeah. that is how culture and cultural significance and signifiers are transmitted. Yeah, especially days. today. Um, that actually, yeah. you kind of stole one of my questions because I was going to ask you how you came to be inspired by Joan. Um, was it something, was that, so you say you were visiting your mother and you saw Slouching Towards Bethlehem on a bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, how did it, how did you, get inspired just from that like what was the journey like I think I was just immediately you know I was a creative writing I had been a creative writing major in Mm -hmm. college and I was a recent graduate 
and I had, uh, was writing poetry. And there's something about the spareness of of poetry that, and and also the kind of um, the rhythm and the repetition. There's something very poetic about Joan Didion's language, which is definitely not to say flowery or uh, ornamental because it's not in any way, but I just, yes. you know, obviously some poetry is very spare. Mm -hmm. And so there was really something, the, the economy of language and the way she was able to evoke these moods and huge ideas with this spare language mm -hmm. but that really just immediately resonated with me mm -hmm. and you know as I said I had I had grown up with this LA fascination this California dream mm -hmm. and I I never I never knew what it was you know but I just Los Angeles meant something to me. Um, I grew up watching a lot of old classic <laughs> movies, mm -hmm. um, you know, like Singing in the Rain, Sunset Boulevard. Even when I got a little bit older, movies like Valley Girl and Blade Runner mm -hmm. and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like these, <laughs> these movies, these all resonated with me in one way or another and yeah. kind of added up to this um, sense that I had about Los Angeles that fascinated me and, and drew me here. And then, and Joan just really, she really added to that and gave a a voice to it in a <laughs> in a language that I could understand. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously she's she comes from a different valley. I think Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure there's a valley there. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely a valley. But I think she also some of the some of those films portrayed these these stereotypes mm -hmm. about Los Angeles yes, and she showed that she was this great thinker mm -hmm. and and writer and a, a very a serious person who you know if that stereotypical valley girl like I couldn't remember um, you know, Moon Moon Zappa made some <laughs> made a song with her dad, Valley mm -hmm. Girl, and mm -hmm. you know it was just this total cliche. And I remember hearing that and thinking, is that is that how everyone talks in LA? Because <laughs> I just didn't really know. And and yeah. then here comes Joan, and she's just ferociously intelligent, but yeah. also writing about really interesting subjects that were yes. fascinating to me Hollywood and rock and roll and the counterculture mm -hmm. so where where did you grow up I grew up in Westchester County outside of 
Manhattan. I, I, I've lived in California my whole life, except for mm. like a portion of time where I lived in Arizona. Um, uh-huh. So it's very interesting to, to me to hear about people talking about how like they were so excited about Los Angeles and how it was it was a almost an ideology for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. My grandmother grew up in Arkansas. I don't know, mm-hmm. somewhere out that direction. <laughs> and then but spent most of her time in um, in Florida. So she, mm. when she and her and her five siblings and her parents moved out here to start working on um, whatever it was that my grandfather was working on, Disneyland related things. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he helped do a whole bunch of artwork and oh, wow. creativity for uh, the opening of Disneyland back in the wow. day. Um, and so when work brought them out here, it was like this big, like coming to Hollywood type thing. Mm. And my great grandfather was an artist, so he did a whole lot of artwork back in Tennessee and Florida and in that southeast area that he uh, or that they lived in. So mm-hmm. hearing stories from from him and my great grandmother and my my nana about moving west is super interesting to me because I'm just like, guys, it's just Los Angeles. It smells weird and it takes an hour to go five miles. so it's um it's very interesting to hear your perspective on Joan writing about California and about this area and her uh I her take and her voice about um the valley and all the things that were happening here yeah she really she understood that it's a it's a city and a state because <laughs> let's not forget, um, you know, the gold rush yep. gave its own mythology to Los Angeles. That's not and then wrong. Hollywood, um, I guess maybe 60, 60 years later, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the early, in the early teens, mm-hmm. early 20th century. So there are these two um, really magical industries that could change your life overnight yeah and make you rich and famous and (laughs) all your dreams could come true yeah and and that happened you know there was this kind of manic uh westward propulsion Mm -hmm. that happened several times in california and i think joan it's always has that awareness when she's writing. Yeah. And she, you know, she's always trying to look behind it and look at the reality of it and sort of puncture this myth. But at the same time, you can't help. There's still a little bit of gold dust. Yeah. <laughs> be just because of the subject matter yeah and 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 our the perceptions that we bring we bring to it yeah um so it's it's interesting to me I've always I've always been kind of intrigued but never really 
totally connected with the L.A. noir aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's, you know, it's it's sunny. It's all sunshine. But <laughs> you know what's behind all that sunshine? Yep. <laughs> For me, I'm like, really? <laughs> it kind of feels sunny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it is. Like, it, it feels positive to me and of course I mean there's darkness everywhere and in everything but I think I, people people really like to to puncture those myths oh, <laughs> you of know course. of yeah. course how to sell them with the darkness bring them in silly of them yeah so my next question is about the title Slouching Towards Los Angeles is obviously a play on Joan Dinian's collection of essays, Slouching Towards Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Was the title, did you choose the title because of after you collected the essays or did the book inspire you, did Joan's book inspire you to collect essays? Well, it was, I think I just really tossed tossed it off as it, it just came to me very quickly because mm-hmm. of this project, the manifest destiny billboard project and yeah. manifest destiny moving West. Moving west. And <laughs> so it just, you know, I really think I was like, I don't know, we could call it slouching towards Los Angeles. Ha ha ha. And then it was like, <laughs> well, I, that's actually a good title. We yeah, should just call it that. It, you it's know? wonderful. Um, I think that it also, like after speaking with you, and some of your um, some of the other contributors about it, I think it's also very indicative of the of everybody's slow movement towards something, kind of congregating around Joan, congregating mm. around Los Angeles, and I think that it's super interesting and kind of ties into um, a thoroughfare throughout all of the essays, mm. it, which I found which I find to be super interesting. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, I, the original directive was choose an essay that resonates with you that has something to do with Didion and the West. Like mm-hmm. I did want um, people to, it, 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 it expanded once we, once the book project came to be a reality. Mm-hmm. We went in some some different directions, but yeah, I mean that that movement has definitely informed the entire the entire book, and it's it is. I, I like that idea of of slouching towards other things, you know, mm-hmm. slouching towards personal revelations self-discovery you know discovery in general of all kinds through and and around Didion and her work I think that I think that's very true yeah it's not just about Los Angeles Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely something it's a convergence towards yeah exactly it's a convergence towards something bigger yeah and I think which which ties back to the um to the Yeats poem actually 
yes, it slouching does. towards Bethlehem, Bethlehem, which is, you know, this, this beast mm-hmm. that is going, that is this symbolic, um, un, ungodly beast that is, that's rising up <laughs> to, to change, to change culture and, um, I mean, maybe that's getting a little, a little off topic, but <laughs> I don't think so. Cause it's really funny. Cause when I, uh, when I first, when your project was first announced to the rare bird team, that poem is actually what came to my mind. Mm-hmm. I, uh, was an English lit major. So I did lots of poetry reading and what all of that stuff. So in my brain, I, I saw it as we're slouching towards Los Angeles as this beast, this culture, cultural difference from the rest of the world. So mm. I, think that, I think that it's super indicative. And then when I got more information about the book and about the project, I was like, oh, okay, I can see the thoroughfare and the connections from, from Yates to Joan to Los Angeles to the move, movement West towards overcoming uh, or embracing uh, cultural change. Yeah. I and I mean the the poem the second coming which is the Yeats poem with that line mm-hmm. is I think Joan chose it and Lauren Sandler directly addresses this, you know, there's the the idea that the center cannot hold, you know, anarchy is loosed upon the world. And the ceremony of innocence is drowned. So it really, Joan did see society unraveling. Yep. And that was her, that's what she was referencing with this poem. Um, But in Yeats, it's, it's definitely... It's definitely more than that. It's yeah. It's like a a force. There's a force um, traveling through that chaos. Yeah, I think I would agree. You know, the beast is sort of traveling through, and the beast is stronger than these kind of the manic energies around yeah. it. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to give that some more thought, but. Um, <laughs> It's pretty deep. <laughs> it is. It's very deep. But I also th- I think that it 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 makes sense to the the nature of the essays that you've collected mm. here in this um, incredible book. I think that uh, taking it back to to Joan and her her reasoning or our perceived reasoning of hers <laughs> um, for picking her title and what the poems. Uh, mean to us versus what it could have meant to her and in the bigger picture. I think that it's all connected and I think it all Mm -hmm. kind of relates and reflects the purposes of the, of these essays, both your, Mm -hmm. both these ones in, in this book and Jones, Uh all of hers. Yeah. So my last question for you today is what do you hope to inspire with this collection? Or who do you hope to inspire with this collection? Well, I certainly hope to inspire writers Mm -hmm. to 
you know, believe, stay committed to the craft <laughs> or, or young writers who might not otherwise feel that it's a viable path for uh, a career path mm -hmm. or a way to express themselves. I, you know, I, I think there is a, just a real, you mentioned pen to paper and, you know, I, I do write when I'm writing a long piece, it's always on a computer, but I'm, you know, I still, I still put, put pen to paper. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that this book is a, is a tribute to the power of the written printed word. Yeah. And I hope that that will, you know, just inspire an appreciation for that and hopefully a belief in, in one's ability to do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just hope that Joan feels feels honored by yeah. it. I I hope it will inspire other people to read her. I don't think she's lacking <laughs> for for readers, right. but it's she's she's such a, an amazing writer that um, you know if it generates more interest in her work that. That's always great, but mm -hmm. I, I really, I really just wanted to honor her and illustrate the ways she has influenced us in in our thinking and yeah. living and working and <laughs> writing, and just to to thank her. Well, I think this collection does a very good job of that. I think that all of the contributors were able to highlight her inspiration and her uh, effect that she's had on people and on journalism and on writing in general. And mm -hmm. I think that it would be it will be very exciting to see what young writers and young authors see and take away from this. Yeah, it would. And I would love to continue a conversation because my in my experience, as I've said, it just felt like every writer that I asked had something they wanted to say about Joan Didion. Yeah. M many of them being women, but but men, too. And which is not to say that every single writer in the world, but I, I do think that there's definitely a larger conversation and it would be fun to be part of that as well. I'd love to hear others. It sounds like, stories, you know, it sounds like you've got a next uh, volume two in your book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. I mean, Jones, of affect and her uh, influence on people is much more broad than I think any of us actually realize. So I don't think yeah. that, I think that, I do not think that there's a shortage of essays that exist out there. Yeah, or that could come to exist. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, Steffi, True. thank you so much for taking thank some you. time today to talk to me and talk about Joan and this incredible collection. Um, and I'm just, thank you. Thanks so much. That was a fun, fun conversation. I, I appreciate your thoughts on the subject. I am very excited to see how this book goes and what more essays and more discussion comes out of it. And yeah, for all too. of our listeners, Slouching Towards Los Angeles, Living and Writing by Joan Didion's Light is available now at wherever you get your books. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Steffi. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And you as well. Goodbye.